Hello and welcome to the Don't Stress podcast. The purpose of the podcast is to discuss topics to help us be better. I hope you enjoy what we cover today and I encourage you to jot down anything you find interesting so you can review it later and maybe do your own investigation. We always need to be ABC, always be curious. Today, Scott and I discuss a range of topics, mostly around emulation versus admiration and we'll dig into that a little bit as we go. Or in simpler terms, do we want to be like someone else or do we just want to take on some of the attributes we admire about them? We touch on comfort zones, self-efficacy, and making sure we have the right people around us. And so with that, on with the show. Well, I was, I was in yoga and I was thinking a whole lot of things. Hmm. Um, just about, I guess, life in general and stuff that you and I are interested in in terms of development and balance and accountability and those sort of things. So yeah. I, I was thinking, so I'll tell you the story. Mm-hmm. Okay. So what you want to do with it. I thought we could title the, the podcast, um, Nah, I'm going to stay right where I am, like that, I on Namaste. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, okay. See what you did there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, so, so what's happened? I've actually I did yoga for years. Yeah, um, every day, pretty much every day, or five wow. days a week. Wow, wow, loved it. One of the best things that ever happened to me in my life, just in terms of restoring balance and calming me down through a, a fairly um, volatile period of my life. Hmm. So I noticed it. I really noticed it when I didn't get into it, but it was costing me a fortune, so I, I had to stop. Um, so it's that whole idea. I was thinking about like opportunity cost versus financial cost and do we sometimes reduce the quality of our life based on a financial decision so you know i was thinking about a whole lot of stuff there so what what we can i'm just thinking off the camera yeah, yeah, no, no, you go. that's good i can put some points i've got some points here mm. but we can talk about this in 10 minutes and tell you the outline of what i was thinking about yeah and then go back to it or we can just continue and, and have a have a chat and get your input and my input. Well, let's go the do the ten minute thing, and then we'll and then we'll more likely go from there. Rightio. So then um, the whole the whole story comes back, and this is where I sit with today. I've got a um, an instructor that's a filling instructor, and oh, yeah. she's, she I don't like her, okay. you know. So, and <laughs> I'm very fickle with my instructors. Yeah, no, no. And I've been to like. I went to the sixth session with her today, and it was like when I saw her walk in the door, I thought, ah. Oh, no. I really don't know about this. But I was in a session the other day. Now, now the, the thing is she um, she doesn't have English as a first language, right. this instructor. So, And she admitted at the very beginning she's filling in for someone, so I don't think she's got a regular gig. Right. I could be there, but I don't think she's got a regular gig because she doesn't often tell us how to transition into different poses. Right, so right. Or ever looking up, going, what the hell are we doing? Yeah, 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 yeah. And that's neither here nor there. But I decided about three quarters of the way through the third session that I had with her and really confirmed that I, I didn't like her style. And therefore, you know, I made this assumption that I probably didn't like her um, right. either. Yeah. And yeah. Raz looked for all the things that that were wrong. Yeah, yeah. Can't understand you. Um, you accentuate different words that make it difficult for me, you know, uh, a waspy, privileged guy to uh, to understand. So I did a I did a passive anger, hmm. and, and I, I thought, you know what, I'm not, I'm not going to stretch as far as I can. 
Or if you say you're saying to try this part of the pose, you know, screw you, I'm not going to do that. And I thought later on, I thought, why the hell would I do that? A for a start, what does my passive aggressive um status do to her? Yeah. Absolutely nothing. Yeah. So yeah. I, I robbed myself of that through my aggression. Um, so that was the first key factor. And do you remember that old there's a saying that says, um, like jealousy or put any of the seven deadly sins in there is like um drinking poison and hoping the person you're with yeah. dies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, but, but you drink the poison. Yeah, exactly. So that was the first part around it. And then I went on to the and today she she gets up the front and I thought, well, I learnt my lesson. Yeah. So I'm gonna work use yoga for me today, not for her, and I'll mm -hmm. I'll make up. So I just talked about, I thought about different things like um, concentration or focus. So there's a couple of poses there. You're on, you know, one foot or one leg or something like that. And you look around you and there's a lot of people are falling over, a lot younger than me. Yep. And I'm looking at the younger guy um, just as you move around. And I find him in, in poses and stretches that are way more deeper than, than me. Like I'm like that. Yeah. Yeah. And he's like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then there's an older guy there, not much older, but he's a bit the same. And I thought, why can't I be doing that? So it was for me, it was around that comparison. The thing I love about yoga, you do it purely for yourself. And if you yeah. go in going, I'm just doing the very, very best that I can, as opposed to comparison. I looked at admiration, not emulation, with the thoughts that come out of it wow okay i need to get a, i need to get a notebook mate just give me two seconds okay this is really, this is really good I've, I've been doing the same I just, i'm writing a blog post for don't stress at the moment yep. and part of it is about uh how comparison can rob us of our happiness oh. so, yeah, yeah so, so i like the emulation versus uh emulation versus admiration yeah so like i i admire that you can pull off wearing a baseball cap um but i can't no, oh, fuck, I look shit in caps. <laughs> <laughs> so we might also talk about self-image. <laughs> <laughs> but I've got a couple of caps that I can wear. But the same thing is, I, I started, um, I know we're going to go all over the place. That's what I love yeah. about it. No, and just, um, just, let's just do it, yep. When I, um, when I went to Brisbane last, I thought, no one knows me here. So... And, and Trisha's really open and accepting. She doesn't know me either, to be honest. So uh -huh. whatever you present yourself as. Yeah, yeah. So I started wearing a Peggy Blinders cap. I've had one for Oh, yeah. Years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I just thought if I walk out in this feeling okay in myself and confident, no one turns around and says, you look like an idiot or you, you look like these caps don't really suit you, do they? Yeah. And and even as like I go to the gym of the morning at, at six, so I've got a beanie on. Yeah. I walk into the gym. And I walk in like you can see yourself in the in the mirror, and let me tell you, I'm a good-looking rooster. You are, you are. on, and I go, you know what? I don't give a rat's what all these people think yep. about that. I'm warm, I'm comfortable, and I just it's me. Yeah, yeah. So that's that whole admiration versus emulation type stuff. Lou yep. talked about it a lot with um, no comparisons in the affirmations stuff. Well, that's right. That's yeah, yeah. Uh, no, I was thinking the same thing because I was um, I'm trying to. Uh, extend this um, happiness thing um, from last uh, we, we like start happy so I've, I've written a post which I've and I'm not going to send it out as a newsletter until I've got a few up then I might send a summary but 
today was about I helped Tom buy a new car and it's in the garage um, yeah. at the moment because he's in Adelaide and he's going to get it across over at Christmas. But um, I found that I was, and my kids got a new car. Other kids got a new car too, my daughter, a big Ford Everest, like knees, knees and all that kind of stuff. But my point was like, I was actually getting a bit down on the fact, because like, I went with Tom for the for the the test drives and he drove some cars to, to, to look at purchasing, but he also drove some cars for fun, a couple of sports cars and I was a passenger hanging on for a grim death. Anyway, <laughs> um, so... Uh, so the, it, just in your emulation versus admiration, it's like I am pretty proud of them both. They got new cars, and they're on that journey to have new cars. Hopefully, from from now on, because they're in that groove. But then my other part was around. Well, I, but I actually got a bit pouty, a bit uh, like, I want to, I want to get a new car. Even though I advised, Tom, I had advised Tom that, that a new car only lasts is only a new car for three months. Then it's just a car. Anyway, so then I was thinking that I think, oh yeah, and so I was actually gone to the point of like. Checking finances, can I can I afford it? What would the payments be? Looked at a Tesla, you know, spec up the Tesla. Can I afford that? How do I do that? Even said to Ange, how do I how do I create an extra twelve hundred bucks a month so I can afford this car? Anyway, so and then we've got to get we're going to get the bathrooms. A bit of a long story. But we're going to get the bathrooms done. That's going to cost a fair bit, and that's going to take us another twelve months to get that financed. But then I realised that when we bought the current car we said because we used to have cars new cars all the time but with this one we said look you know what we're not gonna we're probably gonna be able to purchase one more brand new car before we retire so we're gonna keep this car till it hits two hundred thousand k's or if it falls apart okay sure but if, if it doesn't fall apart and we service it regularly um we'll have it till it's two hundred thousand k's so while i was all pouty about um wanting to have a new car i thought well the car, I was driving Angie's car, so the, the Mazda, and I said, oh, well, if I look at the, the odometer, we've probably got two more years before this hits 200,000. And I'm actually, 200,000 Ks. And I'm actually really quite comfortable with that goal. And I thought, oh, well, that's two more years. So in 12 months time, we'll have a new bathrooms. I've then got another year to save up for a new car. And I don't want finance. I want to be able to buy it cash just because I want finance at my age. If I stick with my goal of turn the car over at 200,000 Ks, I've still got two years to go, and based on all things being equal, I'll have to cash to buy the new car. So I don't need to be pouty about buying a new car. But my outcome of that was basically your emulation versus admiration. The emulation was like, oh, my kids got new cars, so I should have a new car. Yeah. And they're like, and it's and and I and I can afford it and I can do it. And I can actually make it happen if I really, really wanted to. I just don't want the debt. But they're in a situation financially where they're quite comfortable with the debt because of age yep. of life, stage of life and lots of stuff. The admiration side comes like, oh, it's good that my kids can do that. But I had my own goal, which I'm working towards, which I'm actually on track with. So by the time two years comes up, I'll be able to walk into a car yard, all, again, all things being equal and blah, blah, blah. Um, and I'll get my new car. And in two years' time, the cars will be better, safer, have more tech that I'm interested in. So once I, and it was quite interesting for, for me personally, it's like as soon as I realized that, the passionness went away. Mm. Like instantly in terms of like, oh, well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get the, I'm gonna get the car. No one's preventing me getting the car apart from me, but I've got a goal which I'm very comfortable with. And that's not for another two years. And what will cars be like in two years time? And I'll get that car. Because if I get the car now, but in three months time, it'll just be a car. 
So therefore the buyer, not buyer's remorse, but they're like the, 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 the joy and the excitement um, won't be there to justify the purchase or the, the decision. Anyway, I thought that was, well, your, you know, your emulation admiration was really good. You, you, the, the story you just told would be excellent around the four stages of happiness. Yeah, yeah. Because that, 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 what did you call it? The pouting. I love that. <laughs> he's, he's got a new car. I need a new car. That's that level one. It, yeah. Gratification. Yeah. Absent. Yeah. And you followed up so beautifully because then you said, like, in three months' time, it's not new anymore. So there's no immediate gratification yeah, yeah. of the car, which leads into the second level, weepiness, a comparative yeah. You know, I need a new car. Why do I need a new car? I can hear Ange saying. And you go, well, because the kid's gone. <laughs> so it's like, you know, that's, that's a great process at second level, but it yeah. doesn't drive you. What you do look at is what your goals are. So the goals for me are, which, and this is where third level happiness comes in, the goal is to get the bathrooms done. Um, and then I can check on, on the car because that's also that discrepancy production, which is the stronger driver for you. We move yeah. towards that. Think about You could easily shift your focus from um, bathroom to car tomorrow, but you haven't because you can't, the bathroom fits a much bigger purpose. But we could actually do that weirdly enough because, uh, and if I want to, I could probably flip it, but because the 200,000 Ks is the goal, uh, it's a case of, well, I won't hit. The, and if Anne said, well, I want the bathroom sooner, I might go, well, I'm going to go and get the Mazda and I'm going to drive it all up and down WA 10 times to get, because our goal was once it's a 200,000 Ks, I can get a new car. Um, so I could, but again, she would quite happily say, or quite correctly say, well, you know, we, we we don't need the new car because yeah, A, it hasn't fallen apart and B, it hasn't hit 200,000 Ks. And I'd be quite, again, I'm quite, yeah, sure, no problem. You're, you're also looking to that. So you're right. The goal is 200,000 Ks. Mm. Yeah. And I, I can see that's quite obvious. So you just talk about that. You've done all these things to make the goal happen. We service it regularly. We look after it. Mm. So that has become the absolute yeah. goal. Yeah. And it's locked in. Yeah. Yeah. And so but, you flip it, but... I don't think you could. No, no, no. And um, I wouldn't feel, I feel like I would be cheating if I did drive the car up and down WA 10 times to get the 200,000 Ks. Because it's like, well, I, I, do I want to drive it up and down WA 10 times? No. It's like it's, um, and it's weird because before we had these two cars, I've had the Polo for 10 years this year. So that would be due to be upgraded in it when it's 13 years old. And before we had, and it was almost like, a, I think Lou's talked about it too, about having a one-time decision. Like you have affirmations that, that you that to kind of drill you into the new thought process. But sometimes you can have one-time decisions where it's just like, it just happens and it's like, yep. And I I love my little polo. Um, if it, uh, <laughs> well, I'd cry. But if it, if it broke down, I'd be probably like, fuck, you know, you were going so well. Why would you, why would you, you know, <laughs> stuff up now? Stupid little thing. I should but, also that though, yeah. <laughs> uh, but I, yeah, that's right, they do. So, um, and I prefer driving it to the Mazda. Like even today with the park run, I could have got the Mazda out. It's a diesel, so it's better economy, like kind of stuff. But yeah. I just, so, um, so that was kind of like a one-time decision because before that, we would have every two years, we would buy new cars, like brand new leased cars. And we were younger and we could afford the debt, I suppose, or we were more comfortable with the debt. But it was quite funny how I went from a new car every two years to, I want to see how long this polo can last. Yeah. Um, how do we get to do that with other things? Because the car is like a, it's a, like 
don't even think about it once yeah. I got through my pouty, pouty period. Um, so then I'm thinking of other things where it's like, how do you make that one-time decision? And that, that sometimes they need to be affirmations and um, goal setting daily, daily to imprint. But yeah, there's that thing of like, once you've got the goal set, it can support happiness. I see. I'd go the other way. Go, yeah, yeah. I would go. We set what I call happiness-producing goals. So I want the goals that I set to support my happiness, not find happiness through my goals. Oh, yeah, no, yeah, 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 yeah. For me, then comes back to to purpose. And the thing that I I look at when I talk about this is around, you know, I don't think Stephen Covey was the first guy to come up with it, but he did it so well around the big rocks. Yeah. It's what's important to me and where do I spend my time? So I know that if um, financially well-being into retirement, that will make me happy, then I tend to set goals around that. And the goals are around, well, yeah, when we hit 200K on the clock, that's when we'll, we'll upgrade. Versus if you set goals that give you happiness either short-term, you know, immediate gratification, comparative advantage or, or whatever. Yeah. So find your purpose and then set your goals. Yeah. Um, yeah, so no, good shout. So um, that makes far more sense. Uh, and I'm reading a book called How to Make Your Dreams Come True by a guy called Mark Forster. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm... I'm tempted to email him to go, have you done Pacific Institute's work? Okay. Because this is actually from about 10 to 15 years ago. Um, And the book is about starting off with your purpose, your main purpose. But he also talks about um, the emotional side of that, like it's got to be exciting. And and then he talks about where's your present reality. Mm -hmm. But the purpose is the one that he, he keeps on. And he, that's why he was the one who was saying, you know, you imprint it on it every day until it becomes part of like your, he's totally locked in. Like this is what I do and helps you with your, um, to your point, like what's my purpose? What are my big rocks? And then where do I spend my time? Yeah. And if it doesn't fit in with your, if the, your, where you'll find you're spending your time doesn't fit in with your purpose. And I'm even fine. This is, this is so trivial, this next, this next point, but it is, it's a bit of a realization for me because I can watch YouTube all day long. Oh, yeah, good one, yeah, good one, good one, good one, you know, blah, blah. But I'm beginning to watch videos now and I'm going, this isn't, this YouTube video is interesting, but it's not, it doesn't, it does, it's not going to feed me anything of value. So I switch it off. Yep. And th- these are people who I watch almost uh, go back a couple of years ago religiously. Every time a new video comes out, I would go, yeah, I'm going to watch what this guy says or what this girl says. Um, but now it's a case of, yeah, is this, is this feeding where I want to go? No. So, um, yeah, that 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 is interesting because there's two things I had around that, and I can't remember the first one, so I'll go to the second, which was around like they talk about influences, yeah, um, and, and people that thought leaders, but a lot of them are very oh, it was Simon Sinek, that's what it was. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of them were a very um, inch wide, mile deep sort of stuff. So yeah, yeah. they they write a book and they write a book based on the research that they've done and they make a living or a, a mm. living at YouTube and podcasts and stuff out of that one concept for for five years. Yeah. 
So what I'm hearing you say is that I've had my five years, you know, I, I know everything they're going to say. Because how can you expand on one concept over five years? I've, you know, I've heard um, Influencer A on the Letterman Show, on the podcast, on Jay Shetty, on Jordan yeah. Harbinger. I've read the book. I've watched the TED Talks. I almost know word for word what they're going to say. Yeah. So five years, you might be sitting there going, you know what, I'm just not getting the, the information yeah. that I need. So that you lose interest once your passion mm. Mm. fails for it. Um, but that going, make this more of a, well, not more of a anything, but I suppose to, to that point there, it's making me realise, so for anyone listening, <laughs> um, I'm now on the point of, is that, what's that saying? Um, no, I'd say it's, it's a crude saying, it's not even funny. So it's like, stop listening and start doing. Like you've, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you've, and I know the saying, yeah. You've, 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 you've read the books, you've listened to the podcast, you've seen the TED Talks, da, 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 da. What are you passionate about and what are you, so what are you going to do? Because you're not going to learn anything. Well, I'm not saying you don't learn anything, but, but to make a point, you're not going to learn anything until you actually start doing it, making your own mistakes. If, if I use mistakes as a, as a um, channel for, for learning, but you may not make mistakes. You might, um, you might, um, you know, you know so much that everything everything's a winner. But it's getting to the point now, like even with this podcast, as you you pushed me into it uh, against my will, um, that um, you know I've got to learn. To, I've got to learn to do it and become hopefully good at it. But I can listen to podcasts and watch podcast videos till the cows come home. I'm not going to really learn to be be a decent podcaster until I put out some podcasts. And that's where you've heard me talk to you about this before and groups we've worked with, massive versus passive learning. Yeah. So passive learning, I've read all the books, mate. I know I could, I, if, you know, if the influencer broke a leg tomorrow, I could stand up and, <laughs> and do the gig. Yeah. Versus massive learning, which is where, yeah, I know it, and now I'm actually going to apply it. Yeah. So a lot of passive learners. Yeah. Out there. Yeah. Not a lot of massive so no, and, stuff. and I think where uh, what I've been trying to, where I'm at the moment at work, I'm trying to encourage people to do this kind of stuff. Like how, how are we going to apply it? So I set up a new working forum at work, which kicks off this week, um, which I've had in my mind for a while. And I don't know everything. I'm just setting up to be the facilitator, but it's, it's to then get me. It's actually, and I said to my, to my boss at work, um, I said, I'll set up the, the, the seminar or workshop, whatever you want to call it. And she goes, oh, that's really, really good. That's going to be really helpful to a lot of people. And I said, yeah, I've actually been actually quite selfish because I, I want to I want to learn from somebody else, but but I have to do it. So I've got to be able to facilitate. I've got to set up the technical stuff. I've got to do all the stuff. So I've got to, um, I'm going to learn a lot more. Well, not a lot more. I'm going to learn a lot by doing rather than just listening to people in a room. Yeah. Yeah. So how do people... What do you see where people, it's massive versus, I wanted to explore that a bit more, the, the, the massive versus passive. What do you see and and what, yeah, what do you see? Let's just kick off with that. Well, there's another expression that often comes to my mind around that is it's, you know, that um, those that, that those that can do, those that can't teach. <laughs> and I think that's that experience. So it, it comes back to a number of different things. It's like getting ready. There's um, There's a question on the blueprint tool set um that talks about do I wait till I get all the information before I actually yeah. report? 
Yeah. Okay. So that's that's a limiting belief because I just it's a perfectionistic trait. Yeah. You need to get everything square. And I think there's some people that do that massive learning. And whether it's whether it's through lack of confidence, fear of failure, or just being genuinely interested. Like, you mm. know, I, I read all the books, I read all the articles, um, I, I take the notes myself, but I don't do anything with it. Yeah. So that's where you get that that passive stuff. Mm. And it's great. You've got all this information, but what are you going to do with it? Yeah. Yeah. And I'm not suggesting people go and say, you know, I, I, I listened to one podcast around heart surgery. I think I'll give that a crack. <laughs> you, you do need to have a bit of experience. Yeah. But it's yeah. like... Now I've got myself ready. There's a lot of stuff I don't know, and, and mm. you just identify that. But I've got to actually do it. I've got to set the tech up. I've got to watch the guy so I can. Yeah, I can, yeah. You can and go. Really- and going to the heart surgery thing, I think that's a funny, but I, it's an interesting one because at the end of the day, having watched so many medical TV shows, because I'm sure TV is all completely real. Um, uh, but reality, in reality, uh, the first a heart surgeon at some stage in their life has to make that first. Uh, incision, in, in whether whether it's into a mouse or a rat or a yep. frog or whatever, whatever. But I, actually, actually, I'll take it one step further. I've done that, that make that first incision into a person, and they're going to have guidance and people around them and, and all that kind of stuff. So that I'll, I'll talk a bit. Of, I'll come back to that um, in a sec. But that's for, a, for an individual. In many cases, that's quite a nervy thing. Even though you've got all the support around you, you have to make the first cut. Yeah, because. The first cut is the deepest. Ooh, ooh, ooh. <laughs> I can I can feel a soundtrack coming on. Um, but then the point, the the, the note that I wrote down, um, and I'm trying to figure out where this goes from where we started, but it doesn't I don't really mind. It's so important, stating the the blind, blindingly obvious here, is to have that support around you. Um, and I know there's back in the in the last century, I can cover. I can say by last century, there was the sink or swim. I think that can sometimes still be appropriate, but you sink or swim even with, I think even with that scenario, because you know you've got someone or a group around you that's going to support you if you start drowning. Yeah. So yep. people would be, and me included, you know, this, this podcast is just as much for me as anybody listening, um, is to what is my scary thing and how do I make that first cut or how do I take that first step? And and what support am I going to need around me to go, fuck? Not know? there, not there. <laughs> See, that, that comes back again. I'll refer back to the blueprint. When you look around, yeah. <clears throat> you know, the, the definition of efficacy in the blueprint is um, going into a situation feeling confident that it will turn out all right. So it's an optimistic yeah. approach. So I would again. I'd hate to see an overly optimistic surgeon going in the first time. But, you know, I'll just see if I can cut my initials. <laughs> um, versus the ones that are there saying, "I've got this." A, a quiet confidence with them. Yeah. Potentially a mentor um, or a mm. surgeon or, or, or something that sits there and just gives you the nod, saying, "Yep, you're doing the right thing." Yeah. So you know, this could lead us into a whole range of different things around. Um, the need for connection, the need for support, uh, the need for mentoring, yep. and, and what good leadership and good mentoring is about. So there's another five sort of yeah. you can look at. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I've, I've been reading, I've been following the blueprint um, uh, development with the guys, and also reflecting on the fact when we used it with the, that the other 
that client that we had. Um, and seeing more and more, it's around how we think about ourselves or our, like even you mentioned efficacy there. It's like, do I feel I have the ability to do this? Have I got it within me to do the task that's in front of me? Um, and if I don't feel that I have, I'll either not do it or thinking that I don't, but I have to do it if it's like a compelled thing through something like work, I might do a half-assed job or C, um, yeah, I could do a good job or so maybe D, it's like I, I, I go too far. But if all coming out of, the, of a sense of like, I don't think I've got what it takes to do the thing in front of me. And, you know, that's, you remember when we, we did work with that client, and you and mm. I have been this model before as well, around the, the mindset training or the performance yeah. training. And you've got people that are skilled. You know, I might be deftly skilled. Yeah. Um, Dexterity-wise, so I, I can be a good surgeon. Now, to capitalise on that or leverage on that skill, I then go to university and I learn around how the body works and I become yep. a doctor. And from that, I go and do, you know, again, 100 hours of practice cutting up lemons and pigs, bowels and stuff like that. So that's great. But then I become really, really good on pig's bladders or balloons. Yeah. But when I operate on my first person, like you were talking about before, it's that mindset capacity. If I don't think I can do it, yeah, then yeah. go operate on the pig. Yeah. That's where your skill strength. Yeah. So... All the talent in the world, we leverage that talent, but unless we can work around that mindset, mm. that, that for me then comes back to beliefs. Stuff yeah. like if I'm standing there on the operating table or standing across the operating table, do I believe I have the confidence to not muck this up or muck yeah. it up? And then we come back to, <laughs> to stuff like explanatory style or self-talk. Yeah. Am I gonna am I gonna screw this up or am I gonna get yeah. confident? And that that expansion style, but all the self-talk is, is makes such a um, we're not aware we're not aware of it half the time. Yeah. So that goes even. I'm going to bring that back to massive and passive action, or max, mass, well, massive and passive action, or massive or passive learning. Um, you aren't going to learn to operate on a human until you've just let everybody know who listens to this. We got we have no skills in in heart <laughs> surgery or any medical. Any medical expertise whatsoever, we can also. Well, I am free next Friday if you need something, <laughs> and it'll be cheap too, right? Yeah. Um, so we talk about this massive or passive action or learning, um, and it's it's a, it's a bit of a chicken and egg, maybe in terms of I think I can do this, but I have to do it to confirm that I can do it. So if I'm going to go, let's go, let's get get a get in something we know. We're going to facilitate a workshop. Yeah, I've facilitated workshops, you know, for for donkey's years. So I feel like I've got, I can facilitate workshops. Um, but then it might be an audience where, oh, look, it's super critical. Um, and I work in a government role at the moment, so I maybe need to keep that out of it. But if you look at the government situations where something critical is happening, I'm making this too complex, but you know, your stakeholders are very high level. Yeah. You can facilitate, facilitation is facilitation, but it, you've, you've got to be able to believe that you can facilitate high stakes, I suppose. But facilitation is facilitation. In, in, yeah. Like it's, it's, it's bringing 
people's thoughts together to mull over, to consider, to con to keep in, to throw out, to come to a conclusion. I'm oversimplifying facilitation, but um, I don't think you are. That's it's, the, it's the stakes. Yeah, well, to make things easy, to make to make things simple. So, and that's what I mean. Like you've got to be able to. So I can facilitate. Well, different levels of organisations. But if someone said to me, oh, you're going to go and facilitate a workshop with um, government ministers and stakeholders in the transport industry, I'd, <laughs> I'd, I'd think twice. See, I, I don't know why. I mean, I say this from a personal point of view. I've yeah, seen yeah. facilitation skills there. They're 100%, but that's not the point for our listeners is to boost yeah. facilitation skills up. The point is, and this is something that Lou Tice did say to me once, mm. he said, facilitate to the soul. So yep. it doesn't matter whether you're the minister of a, of a you know huge government department yep. or whether you are a, a first-year intern in that same department. Mm. You've all got the same soul. And I've, I've been there. I remember one of my first mm -hmm. facilitations was to the executive group of um, one of Australia's largest utilities um, companies. Yep. And... Bugger me if I didn't find out the day before I was going to facilitate. So I'm, I'm shit scared to start with. Then I find out the CEO um, is an organisational psychologist by profession. Great. Oh, no, he's going to pick apart everything that I, I say. But I just went in and I facilitated and we had a great time. And, yeah. and I don't say that purely because it was a great time. There was parties and cake. Um, they got something out of it yeah. and I fell into my flow. But if I'd have... Continue mm. going back to that self-talk that we don't know yeah. we've got. Questioning myself, am I doing the right thing? You know, looking across to to the CEO and asking myself the question in my mind, does he agree with me or does he disagree? Because mm. mm. he's made his living now out of running this, you know, behemoth of an organisation. Yep. He's probably forgotten half of his org psych yeah. stuff. Yeah, yeah, true, I, true. I looked at it and if he's one out of the 12 people in the room, that's Okay. I've still got 11 other people that probably have got diddly squat knowledge about mm. what I'm about to, to talk to them about. And that's the point. I think that's that's the point I'm uh, making in terms of getting, realising the skills and the knowledge we have, apply at greater levels than we might think. So when we start to compartmentalise, so it's a, it's a levels thing or it's a, uh, like a hierarchical level in an organisation thing. Um, if you use facilitation as the as the medium, facilitation is facilitation, and as as Lou would say, facilitate to the soul. And I'm thinking of my situation at work where I am at the moment, and I've got to deal with a number of fairly high level stakeholders. So to your point, which you said, oh, is he are they agreeing with me? Have I have I have I got them on side? Have I got all those things? When really just break all that away and just go, well, just just facilitate the conversation. Just talk about the topic, get people's points of view, and then if we extend that to I guess other um, for the benefit of the listeners, other uh, professions, what is your belief in your efficacy? That's the term, that your belief in your efficacy. Do you think you can do this? Yeah. And if you deconstruct it, you probably can. I, I agree. Yeah. If you are a, taking it back to what you were first talking about, massive versus passive action, if you're a massive action person, I, I've got it all. You're just going to sit there and go back and, oh, the book that I read, around facilitation skills set on page 104. Yeah. You know, when someone disagrees with you, this is what you need to do. It's great to know that information. 
Yeah. But unless you apply that information when someone disagrees with you in a workshop, then you're screwed. Yeah. Yeah. I've got a bit of a different thought around this, and I, mm. I, I don't know. Um, I've been on a few uh, webinars recently, workshops, when I've created not a chaos by any stretch, but I've got controversial views, so I'm not um, afraid of putting them out there. Yeah. I view, and if you take your role, you're the scenario you talked about, you've got high-level um, government ministers and leaders in there. Yeah. What happens if you do screw it up? Is that a rhetorical question or a real question? No, it's a rhetorical question. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, you can yeah, take yeah. it as a real question. Um, they go, "Geez, I'm getting bill back in. We need to do that workshop again because we didn't get the, yeah. the outcome that we needed." Yeah. No, like no one's going to walk out of there having four birthdays taken away from them, or having their leg amputated, mm. which by the way I can do next Friday. Um, <laughs> For cheap. <laughs> so as long, I reckon, as long as you give it a go. Yeah. Obviously, this doesn't apply to all situations. You, you you can't be a heart surgeon and do that. You can't yeah. press the, the button in NASA and go just give this a crack and see what happens. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but like, what's what's the worst? It's it's like asking a girl when you're 17 to dance. You know, mm. the worst thing she can do is say no. Yeah. But if you tell yourself that before you go up there, you're never going to ask. Yeah. We were on a the, the podcast with Leanne, and it was around yeah. group. Um, and I've got to, so there's a bunch of us on online and we're mm. all coaches and facilitators and workshop people like that. And one guy said, you know, I'm only new to the business and I think I might be underpricing myself. And so I, and there was a bit of an argy-bargy going around around what the, the, you know, the price structure should be. And I just went back and I said, look, this might be a bit of a controversial thing, but um, does it really matter what you, you are charged for it? If you like it, if you like doing it, yeah. then you think, what? What's going to subside? Not subside. Sorry. What's going to pay my day or pay what I need to do if I need to pay my new car off or whatever? Then yeah, you know why pay? Why charge five or six grand because other people are doing yes. that? Well, that goes back to your emulation versus admiration. Yeah, it does. I'm doing it because someone else does it and can do it, uh, so therefore I should. But your experience level, your context, your background might be completely different to theirs. So charge it but don't charge it because because they are charge it because you feel you can do it yeah and, and if your motive is profit you know good on you son you, mm. more mm. to you but from i was saying to them that's not my motive is, is not profit my yeah. motive is um is me doing things because i want yeah to do things yeah and at the point you were making before about like, well, what's the worst that could happen? I think that's where we do, we don't think that through enough. So if I'm going to go into a high stakes facilitation situation, I go, oh shit, I've got them there, they've got them there. Fuck, this isn't going to work. Blah, blah, blah. I'm going to have to work hard. Oh my God, I don't know what they're going to say. But they're all like very fast bullet points in my head yeah. that I'm not stopping to consider. And so what we potentially need to learn to consider is, okay, well, let me just stop for a second and just let me just write those thoughts down. Who's going to be in there? Okay, let's, let's write down who's going to be in there. Yeah, what, are, what is their opinion? What is their ego? What is their situation? Um, and then if, again, go back to the facilitation metaphor, if you get all those things down, all the major things down at least, then maybe what we could do or I could do this to me is go okay so which one of those situations can't i can't i deal with mm. or or but maybe not can't I deal with 
what, what, need to, what do I need to do about those situations? So, you know, Scott comes in, he's the head of the department and he has got an ego on him the size of bloody, you know, Ayers Rock. So, Uluru. Um, all right. I can't change that. And A, it could also be my perception. But let's say that's a substantiated thing. The question isn't like, oh, shit. The question is really going to be, how am I going to be able to facilitate that ego in the group? Yeah. I, I just wrote that down as you were talking right. about You were saying who's in there, um, what are the, what are they known for, like if it's a huge ego or whatever. I just thought, just change it around a bit. What are their strengths? Yeah. So the strengths are that well, Scott's mm. got an ego, but that ego means he's actually confident in what he says. So how do I yeah. use that strength? Yeah weakness but that powerful process mm -hmm. of my benefit because it's the other thing you were talking about there's like the what ifs and when you do those what ifs they i reckon they snowball mm. bigger yeah. and bigger and bigger. so writing them down is great so i was having a conversation with a friend of mine the other day um and she was talking about all the well what if this happens and they're all the negatives yeah right and, and i just said can i ask you one question she says yeah and i said well what if they don't yeah. <laughs> it's a 50 50 yeah 100 yeah yeah yeah. but if you look at it and go well what if i uh, work to the strengths of that person what if i work to the known mm, mm, um, mm. personalities or characteristics then you've got to have that working yeah for you. so there's a really good exercise i'm sure you, you you've done this dozens of times and, and that sort of stuff but it's it is calling out the negatives so the ego and someone taught me this this few decades ago when i was working for a bank and I do this probably more often, at least mentally, maybe I don't write it down like I used to, but mentally I would go, I would go through the negatives, that the ego, bombastic, um, don't care about their staff, blah, 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 all those potential negative things. But I then, at least now these days mentally, I will, I will consciously go, so exactly what you were saying there. So how does, what's the opposite of that? What's the, what do they bring? How can I rephrase that so that they, I can get the benefit of that characteristic as yep. opposed to, yeah, ma massive ego. So I'm going to shut them down. I don't want them to talk because they will just take over the meeting. And I've got a really good strategy for that. Um, they won't know because I'm a really clever person. <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah, they can see right through it, obviously, most of the time. And um, Stop it. But then, yeah, exactly. You write down the – identify the things you're, I guess, concerned about, just to be real, but then flip it into a – not a Pollyanna positive – but in a real, what I would like to word, use the word grunt, like get some grunt into the how you're going to use the personalities in the room. I don't mean use um, in, a, in an evil way. I mean, the, 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 the situation is going to be there, so don't ignore it. Yeah. How can you leverage this? How can you leverage the situation um, uh, to, the, to the, the outcome that you're looking for, not for your advantage, but the outcome that the group is looking for? Well, I, I think it's both, actually. I've just written down here again, facile, you know, mm, yep. facilitation to make easy. Mm. And it doesn't always mean you've got to make it easy for your participants. I actually reckon you've got to make it easy for yourself. So as, as a leader, as a facilitator, as an influencer, how do I make it easy for myself? So if I make it easy for myself by getting Jerome the egotist, yep. To, to make it easy for me because it's and I, I used to say this when I um in my train to trainer programs it's around that I cannot believe I get paid the amount of money I do to do nothing right but all I've got to do as a facilitator you just sit back and you yeah. pop a question 
Yeah. <laughs> You've got to work hard to get the right question. Yeah. So I'm going to ask a question of Jerome, the egotist, yeah. and say, you know, if you were in charge of this, Jerome, what do you think the outcome would And I'm just making this up, obviously. Absolutely. Yeah. But it's around that preparation. So um, I know how to do it because I've read about it. Mm. Passive, a passive action. But how do I put it into my lesson plan or yeah. my, my, my run sheet that says, you know, this is how I'm going to use it. Ask Jerome this yeah, yeah, yeah. It's going to make it easy on me. And that's where I think the, that's why I look at the term, the, like making it, getting some grunt in there because it's not a fly by the seat of your pants, like, oh, whew, that, that, that worked out well, didn't it? It is going down to those things. So, okay, so I've got some real um, challenges or whatever term you want to use. And I remember when I used to do the run executive programs for um, the bank I worked for, um, before I'd go to the exec program, I would, my my boss would call me into his office, call me into his office, but we'd have a chat. <laughs> it was his office. Um, and he'd go, okay, let's, let's go through the participants. And we go through the 12 to 15 participants. And he'd go, okay, so this is so-and-so. They're state manager of this location. Um, this is where they're at. These are what their issues currently are. This is how they're currently viewed. This is probably what they're going to bring to the thing. Just be mindful of it. So it was good in the sense of giving me a heads up about the personalities because I was learning to do executive development at the time. So it was really good development for me. And I would, when I would see it come out in the group, I didn't panic and go, oh my God. I would go, yep, that's right. That's how they are. So I can't change that. They shouldn't be somebody else. They need to be who they are. My challenge as a facilitator is to, yes, try and make it easy for them and for me by asking the right questions or facilitating the conversation so that they are either heard or they can potentially, and this is a very unique, or not unique, but specific to this situation, um, where they can voice their opinion and the group tells them, geez, mate, you're a dickhead, that does, that's never gonna work. Yep. So I haven't told them, or he might, they, he or she might put out something and they go, shit, I never thought of that, that's, yeah, okay, yeah, mate, well, why aren't we on board with that? So it's, um, it's learning to have those skills, that, but you've got to, sometimes there's some daring in that, in terms of facilitating. And, yeah. and in anything, with, I want to bring it back to the massive action thing, like anything we do, whether you're facilitating, which is our metaphor, I suppose, but whatever anybody's doing to build the life they want, sometimes that massive action is scary. Yeah. That's why it's called a comfort zone. <laughs> well, you're exactly right with that. And it's, um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't uh, suggest to anyone that they go out and, you know, invest their life savings and, and you know, and buy a car. Well, <laughs> buy a car, buy a business. Kind of, I don't know. I mean, yeah, no, no. some people have it and they've worked on it really, really well. And that's depending on what your level of comfort is. Mm. But I, I think you got to, you can't stay in there. Which goes back to what we first talked about: is you know, now nah, I'm staying where I am. Yeah, yeah. If you're really happy with that, by all means do but you can practice on that so yeah. you can you can go out and you know it's like if you want to move away from um uh an office job and you want to go and work in, in nature yep go and try it for a weekend yeah yeah you know yeah yeah look at what it, what's involved and lou used to talk about that as well as a rancher um now just, just go and try it for a weekend. Research what other people do. Be stupid if you took all your money and yeah. you've never looked at what it's like owning op uh, operating a franchise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And a, a really good um, real-life example to that that I, not for me personally, but I was doing some some uh, lending work a few years ago and um, it's really I think it's a really good example where the 
the owner wanted to sell the business and he was a business person as it was and it was a restaurant mm-hmm. and the chef wanted to buy it wanted to buy it and run the business so they got the, the lending organized and all that kind of stuff and one of the questions that the the credit manager came back with was like and because my my comments were like you know he's been in the business for 10 years he's been the chef since the beginning of the for the whole time the business has been going he knows the business that that's a really good point where the credit manager um came back and said yeah it's one thing being the chef and it's another thing being the owner yeah um so yeah you can't you can't jump into things with no experience and expect to have the experience you've got to get the experience uh if you stay in it long enough but that's going to have some potentially scary or some some times fraught with like what the hell because I, I would suggest that the chef has massive action in one area, which is yeah. chefing. Food, yep. Hasn't even got passive action in running a business. Yeah. Yep. And I don't know the guy from Adam, obviously. No, no, but no, no. Sounds like he's not done any business studies or research what a business no. is about. So buy the business by all means mm. and chef in your own business or cook in your own business but employ a restaurant manager. Yeah. Yeah. My, my, my partner works for um, a, a psychologist, psychiatrist, sorry, yeah. one of the best and very specialised, and he loves what he does and he's yeah. really, really good at it. But he's crap at running a business right? because yeah. he gives all his time to his purpose and he goes over time or he comes under time. Um, and he doesn't overcharge or anything like that. But he's wondering why he's really burnt out at the end of the day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he's going to go back and do the business stuff. Yeah, yeah. You know? So I think he should employ a business manager to run his business so he can he can just go and yeah. do psychiatry, psychiatry stuff. Yeah, yeah. My old man was the same. He ran a business in Albany um, in Western Australia for 40 years, and his office manager back then uh, was uh, my godmother. Not that that is anything relevant, but... Dad would go to her and go, I want to buy a new lathe. It was an engineering company. Uh, Dad would go to, to Phil and go, I want to buy a new lathe. And she would just look at me and go, no. <laughs> um, but Dad took that as she, in, in that split second, because that's how she would do it, in that split yep. second, she knew where all the finances were, how the business could run, da 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 And she would go, and there were times when she said yes. When, I don't, I don't know this is an exact correlation, but when she passed away, which was um, well before Dad closed the bill, sold the business, so he had many years without her, um, and the, you know economic times and all that sort of thing as well. Um, but he never had the trust in his business manager, in any of the future business managers that he had that he had in her. Yeah. Um, so to your point of yeah, if you you can be a, an expert in an area, but where are your gaps? And can you fill those gaps yeah. or do you need someone? That's why I go back to what I was saying a while ago about who's your support crew, not support crew, just in terms of like, yeah, you can do it. Of You know, cheerleaders and, and pom-poms, that sort of stuff. But having the right support around you when you go on your scary adventure to go to ask good questions, to um, give the support, um, to help you move forward, not to, yeah. not to hold you back, but it might, it might mean, like you were saying before about guys like Simon Sinek, whereas he's one inch wide and, and a couple of miles deep, you've got to do that hard work to, to, to go deep. And, and sometimes, and I think we all experience this, is like 
where you think, oh, is this worth it? Am I, am I on the right track? Am I, am I doing the right thing? If you've got a good support crew around you, mm. helping you go deep, you can go, you can do it for longer. And that comes back to something we talked about, you know, probably half an hour ago now around that, that efficacy mm. level. So where's the belief in your yourself to yep. do that? And the ways that you can grow efficacy and, and it's going to take a little bit of time for it to just come back to me in the terms that I want it to be, but there are five steps to it. And the first one is um, personal mastery. So do it once and you can do it again. The second one is vicarious experience, which is around um, seeing others doing it, which is where your YouTube comes yeah, into it. Yeah, yeah. I, I watched it. I've read all the books. I've listened to all the podcasts. Um, if they can do it, I can do it. Yeah. But you still have that belief that you can do it. And the third one is what you were just talking about there, which is around social persuasion. So right. you need a team of people, your cheerleaders, your support, mm. I like that term, your support crew that say, you know, Bill, I know you've never done that before, but I, I reckon you could give it a crack. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and parents, if you look at what social persuasion is about, parents are some of the greatest social persuaders ever. For, <laughs> for good or for ill. For you, yeah, <laughs> it's good, but it's like, oh, you've got your your 10-year-old daughter about to run for, for class captain or something mm. like that. Mm. Um, and there's that doubt that comes in. So parents will always, you know, oh, Esmeralda, I think you'd be absolutely wonderful. Yeah, yeah. As captain. Um, remember, you you know, you uh, vice captain of the netball team, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So social persuasion says, well, if I don't believe in me, others yeah. do. And you made a, a really good point there is in terms of uh, I want to go for school captain. Oh, but, you know, you were, you're a really great netball vice captain. So, you know, um, so there's... And when you're starting off as a kid, there's no evidence because you've never done anything before. But the social evidence of social persuasion can come from yeah. people going, because you forget, we go, oh, I didn't do that quite right. I didn't do that really, really good. I didn't, I wasn't quite. But your social circle or your social support can basically go, no, no, you, you're actually really good at that. You know, if, if you want some advice, I can give you some, but, you know, you have the wherewithal. And it's going to be a stretch. So Angie's moving on from her, my wife is moving on from her current job and she's put in a, in a, a job application for a, for a role, which I won't go into, not that anyone knows her, but I saw the salary that this is, and it's it's <laughs> it's more than mine. Um, yeah. And I'm on, I'm on a pretty good wicket. So um, if she gets it, um, I think she's got the skills to do the job. Mm. But she's, and I will support her in, in, in if, she, if she gets the job. This is not a negative um, comment, but there is going to be a gap. There is going to be a, a growth. There's going to be growth required to, to fulfill the needs of the role. And it's interesting because it's an EA role. And for a short period of time, or uh, probably 15 years ago now, for a long time ago, she did a role with... Oh, it doesn't matter who it was, but she was a, she was this, not my wife, the, the person she was working for was a CEO of a company. Um, I think it was a, 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 it was a, a multimedia company. And Ange was the classic EA, pick up my dry cleaning. Um, mm. See if my kids are home from school yet. Um, see if my car's got a dent in it, all those sorts. And she'd come, Ange would come home going, this woman is just an absolute witch, you know, blah, 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 blah. Anyway, so Ange was only a temporary role. And so Ange um, uh, finished the role. And then when she left, the late, the witch <laughs> said, I am so sorry that you are leaving. You have been the best 
person in this role, you've taken all my shit, you've got on with the blah, 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 blah. So Ange came home passive aggressive. Aggressive in terms of like, I'm glad that's over. But passive in terms of like, I can't believe this woman thought I was the bee's knee. So to your point way back a few minutes ago about, you know, um, when the kids are growing up, Ange needs to be, will need to be reminded of like, remember you, you worked for that witch? Yeah. And, th- and, and you hated it, and that's, but she adored you and thought you were the best thing since sliced bread. This new role is going to be that probably times 10. So when we talk to, there's a couple of personal examples, but when we, what we need, I think, from a support crew when we're doubting ourselves is that remember when. And we can do it ourselves, 100%. We can go into ourselves and go, you know, I've, I can do this because I've done it before. But we need a support crew, not just to pump up our tyres and go, Scott, you're going to be great at this facilitation process because you're a good looking rooster. Because um, they're not really connected. For you, they are because people just melt in your, you know, uh, melt before you. But um, does that make any sense? That make, um, it, it does because you, you've actually just identified there the fifth level of um, right. self efficacy, which is really of success. Yeah. So, you know, Angie's got all these wonderful things that this witch said about her. Mm. It's probably diminished. Now she's forgotten all of yeah. that. So you do need your support crew yeah. to, to help you relive yeah. that success that you've got. And that came about, so um, Albert Bandura is the guy that yep, yep. Posed, you know, the whole area of, of self-efficacy. And he had a saying that says, we move too quickly and too, and so we move too quickly and too lightly through our successes for them to have any impact on our yeah. suffering. Yep. So we don't, we don't, pump our own tyres up mm. or are pumping our tyres up mm. for it to change that self-image of yep. ourselves. And that comes back to that self-esteem stuff, which, you know, if you if you said to Ange, just remember you worked for that witch and how good you are. Oh, yeah, but that was just a lucky break. That was just three months and yep. I, I was feeling generous. And so we, when we don't have that that value in ourselves, yeah. it comes back to, again, this accountability when we don't have the value in ourselves, we diminish our, our um, successes and we diminish it when other people try and remind us. It's such a good point, you know, because I've been thinking about that over the last three, four weeks or months, maybe, because it's kind of like what where our work is. But we we are so good at the, at the negative side of that. So, for example, even even at work, I've, I've, I've heard this a number of times. Um, we, we work in terms of projects and it's a case of, okay, so we grind out the project, you've got the project plan, the change plan, the implementation, the training, the communications, the the grinding, like bloody hell, this is hard work and that kind of stuff. And then when we get to the end of the project, we do a, a, a lessons learned and we do a review and probably the same thing. Um, and we do call out the good things and, and also the things we've got to learn from, but we focus tend on the things that we need to learn from. Good, you know, that's, that's not a problem to, to close those gaps. But then I hear a lot of project managers and leaders say, and I would be guilty of this as well, um, probably, it's probably human nature. It's like, yeah, well, once the project's done, yeah, let's have cake, but move on. Yeah, yeah. So, so I'm, at, I'm, at to, I'm closing off a project at the moment and we're gonna to have to do it, well, not have to, we're going to do a lessons learned. And I'm gonna make a point of this to say, okay, let's talk about all the things that went well um, in detail or at least as much detail as the stuff that we, and I'm gonna, and I'm gonna put this on the podcast, I'm gonna put it in the notes afterwards. If we had that lessons learned and someone in the group says, 
yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't worry about it. Let's talk about the things that didn't go quite as planned. I'm actually going to call that out. So I'm going on record. I'm going to call that out and go, why, why are we so quick to focus on the negative, which we will do. We will need to learn from what we've done. But why are we so quick to skip over the things that went well? Yeah. And now that might give me a response and go, because I'm in charge, Bill, and we're not, <laughs> we're not going to do it. <laughs> and I go, yeah, that's, that's cool. I just want an answer to the question. I actually don't necessarily need to do it. It's more a case of let's examine as a group why we're not prepared to do that. Because we've got negativity bias. Yeah. So I, I think the figures are around um, three to two or something. Like In fact, no, the, the figures, if I look at it percentage-wise, it's something like 78% of our thoughts are negative. Right. So, you know, you've opened a whole new mindset around that. So we used to do something similar when I was in the military called an after-action review. Yep. yep. Um, and uh, and I, I worked uh, at one stage with the roulettes, the elite um, oh, yeah. flying team, and we would do after-action reviews. I wasn't a pilot, so don't get me wrong. <laughs> and um, we do after-action reviews that came right down to, and I'll witness this, not part of it, but the pilots would talk about how well they did a manoeuvre and was really good about it and what went wrong with it and what yep. they would do next time. But that after-action review right, came right down to the fact of how well they marched out on, to get into their aircraft on the tarmac. There was no rank involved. So right. just because you happen to be squadron leader that's in charge of the, the crew, mm -hmm. if, you, if you square-gated to start with or whatever, <laughs> and it was like fair call. But the big thing around that, and this is what you're talking about, and it, it's um, if again, if you look back to the blueprint um, mm -hmm. settings around, do you focus on the negatives? And the strong word there is focus. Yeah. If we talk about negativity bias and focus, that basically says that seventy-eight point whatever it was, yeah, percent of the time we focus on the negative, mm. and I reckon that we've got to reverse that. Yep. You, you're right. We can't dismiss it and go, oh, geez, we really stuffed up there big time. But let's move on. So, no, 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 no. You're exactly right. Yeah, yeah. So, because it's around frequency. How yeah. often do you do the wrong things versus how often do you do the right things? Yeah. The more you talk about the wrong, then the more frequent that becomes. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, like it's, um, I'm going to bring this all the way back to emulation versus admiration what we kind of, I think we kicked off with and, and happiness producing goals. Because um, I've written about a whole bunch of things which we're not gonna have time for today, but things like comfort zones and all this kind of stuff, it's really, really cool. But if we, the emulation, just in what we were talking about then, I it might be a, a tenuous link, but I can make a link back to when we talk about emulation and we're talking a review of a roulette thing or a project, um, emulation is almost like there was a standard and, and we're going to measure ourselves against the standard. Mm. Um, and that's fine because we're, we do want to learn from the past, but we've got to learn and move, you know, you know kind of stuff. but admiration, which we don't do a lot of is, is that, you know, how well am I doing? How far have I come versus how far have I got to go? Yeah. So if we look at 78% of our thoughts are negative, that's we're emulating ourselves against the standard, which might be even an unrealistic standard. Mm -hmm. Did you want the project to go perfectly well? I work in government. That's never going to happen. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, Good point. Versus um, admiration of like, so what, yeah, let's 
equal equal time but my point about equal time is if you use those percentages 78 percent of our time of our, of our lessons learned is going to be on what went wrong yeah. and 22 percent is going to be on what went right um but if you look at and this goes into a whole different topic potentially which we'll, we'll we can cover later at a later, later podcast is appreciative inquiry mm. what what is going well in the project that we need to emulate which might if we do more of that it might minimize the effects of the negative or even just might minimize the negative yeah so, different, different and I, I think i coached a team in a government organization very much around that they were saying yep. this whole now they were they were regulation health and safety mm. regulation mm. so the focus was often on what's wrong here yeah yeah and, and that's good but they 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 took that safety inspector role to their after action reviews is still saying, you know, because you, you look for your reticular activating system when you're in a, a police mm. role always looks for things that are wrong. That's what, yeah. what yeah. your goal is. So they would do the same thing. Their after action reviews, they didn't call them that, were always around that negativity bias. Yeah. So we've got them to start thinking about, well, how do we do exactly what you've talked about? At least balance up. What do we do right? What do we do wrong? And yeah. as the project ended, they would sort of have a success process or a, a closing ceremony of that. And I suggested to them, and a couple of the, the really good leaders did this, when you're starting up a new project, go back with the project team and talk about the old project. Right. Okay, so Project Xerox has, has finished. We're just about to head into Project Canon. Mm -hmm. uh, let's remember the good things we did in Project Xerox were X, yeah. Y, and Z. Let's emulate those or let's repeat yeah, those. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Project Canon. Um, yeah, but what about the time we – yeah, that's that's okay. We did that. Yeah. Yeah, we yeah, focus yeah. on what we did well, then we'll repeat that yeah, process. Yeah, yeah. It's just a, it's a flick of the switch, and effective leaders flick it really, really well yeah. because you think about what you want, not what you don't. Yeah, um, yeah. This this is you're creating uh, bullet points for me to talk about, but we talked. We kind of like bounced around, but I think there's a theme there around taking action. Like, don't don't be passive. Learn. And yep. there's a time for for passive learning, but at some stage you've got to cross that line onto the field. You mm. you've got to you've got to train, and all of a sudden it's game time. So is that I think around that for me, and I'm, I'll get your thoughts as well, is around as you as you walk onto the field. We haven't used a sporting metaphor at all during this um, this conversation, but we'll use it now. Is who is your support crew? And what do you want from them? Because that's around about communicating what yeah. you want from your support. Um, you don't want a coach from the sidelines yelling abuse at you, going, "You're a bloody, you know, blah blah." Yeah. Um, and then, are you going to? I'll go back to the emulation admiration, which is around. So the emulation is to me is around setting the goals that you want to emulate, and are they for us as individuals? Are they realistic goals based on your current situation? So if you want to run a perfect project and you've never run a project before, that would be an unrealistic expectation. Yeah. But then what are you going to admire about yourself, about the things you bring to the table that you've done well? And, and to spend time, we talked way back, facilitating difficult personalities and then writing down and taking the time to write down what those things were. So I would encourage, as I'm trying to do, encourage people when they go to the admiration stage is don't bullet point it. Don't just... Um, go, yeah, yeah, I did some good shit. Like, write the shit down yeah. and what was good about it, potentially yeah. in terms of like, yeah, I'm really good at that and that's pretty much 
comfort zone stuff for me. But I tried this stuff and I found actually I was, that was a bit out of my comfort zone. I'd actually did that okay. Mm. Admired that as well. Yeah, that's a great point, mate. Yeah. So they're my, they're my kind of takeaway. Do something, have a good support team, spend time acknowledging what you did well. I, I'd just add one more and I want mm. to take it back to that sporting analogy. So I love that. Um, is when you when you walk onto the pitch, walk on with confidence. Yep. If I'm play, if I've been brought on to play in the A League, then I'm going to play like an A League player. Yeah. So, so that is there. Uh, we we've talked briefly about it before, I think. But if if you're listening to this and you want to look at how all this stuff works in action as yep. a strong leader and have a laugh at the same time, <laughs> go and watch um, Ted Lasso. Oh. If you watch his skills, I don't know, it's all made up and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you yeah. can emulate um, some of the stuff that he does, he puts all this, that, that, that storyline where the the guy that's the, the locker room cleaner, you know, becomes yeah. the assistant coach. If you haven't watched it, follow it. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, really good. Yeah. I'm going to finish with a quote from a song. Yeah. Which, and I probably got, I might actually butcher this because I actually have a, a, a perverse version of it. <clears throat> Don't who the singer is, someone will tell me, you might tell me. Is it walk tall, walk straight, and look the world right in the eye? Walk tall, walk straight, and look the world right in the eye. <laughs> I always use the word spit. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't think that's right, though. I'll get the lyrics and I'll put it in. But um, I, to your point about going on, with, going on to the field with confidence, which has made yeah. me think of, like, you know, walk tall, walk straight, and look the world right in the eye. Let's, let's go with look the world right in the eye, not spit the world right in the eye. Um, I will, I'll find that, and hopefully it's... I think you should um, find that song and just try us out with that. I will, I'll try and add that to the... Yeah, I will. I'll, I'll find the song. Um, hey, look, thanks, mate. It was a bit of a... It, was a, it wasn't a planned conversation this morning in terms of structure, but I think we kept chatting about some good stuff. I, I, yeah. uh, I've taken some good notes I'm going to go and play with. Um, I'd be interested to hear from the listeners what they thought of this. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And, and we've mentioned some things in the... Um, in the conversation, things like uh, people like Albert Endura and Lou Tice. So I'll, I will put some links to them. It'll probably be their Wikipedia pages, probably. Yep. Uh, you also mentioned Blueprint. Was, is there a good place to go for the Blueprint with Michael and uh, Alan? Yeah, we, we, can, we can put um, a link to the website there for yeah. the tool set. Fantastic um, diagnostic tool around mindset and yeah. uh, positive and negative or liberating and limiting. Yeah, beliefs and, and thinking. Yeah, for sure. All right, mate. Well, I will uh, let you go on with your weekend. Thank you very much. I'm on my bachelor weekend this weekend, so um, I've got plenty of time to edit this and, and put it up onto the website. Enjoy your soup and toasties, if that's the case. I will. All <laughs> right. Cheers, man. See ya. Bye-bye. Hey, thank you for listening. We covered quite a bit of information in that discussion, and I hope a lot of it was very useful for you. Please let us know in the comments if there's anything that resonated with you, and if there's any more information you would like to know about the topics we covered, so things like comfort zones, emulation versus admiration, um, and beliefs and topics like that, we will dig a bit more into those in future podcasts. So looking forward to hearing your thoughts and comments. I hope you really enjoyed that, and we will see you in the next one. Thanks for listening.